The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. A little bit earlier uh, today, I interviewed Sean Quinn, uh, the border businessman who built the Quinn business empire between. Derry Lynn and Bally Connell, an absolutely remarkable success story for so many decades until it effectively went all up in smoke from his point of view. He details all of this, or certainly his version of all of this, in his new book, Sean Quinn, In My Own Words. It's going to be launched on Thursday in the Schlieve Russell Hotel, a hotel right beside his house that he built, but that he has not stepped foot in for seven years because of the fallout to the collapse of his business uh, empire. Uh, it is worth, before we get into the interview, and we're going to hear the first part of the interview now and a bit more later on in the show, it is an absolutely wild ride. That is what I will say for the moment. But it is worth reminding people exactly what happened. Like I say, it was a remarkable success story for so long. Uh, the story of how Sean Quinn kind of started with a gravelly field, uh, turned it into a quarry and turned that into Quinn Cement, Quinn Therma, Quinn Plastics, Quinn Glass, Quinn Bottling, you name it. Huge, huge amounts of industry along the border where economically there was almost nothing happening and lots of livelihoods depended on the success of his uh, business. But things came a cropper in and around the collapse of Anglo because it turned out as Anglo collapsed and as that share price plummeted, that Sean Quinn had bet big on the bank. And the way he had done it was through a thing called contracts for difference. Now, you and I would never be dealing with contracts for difference. Most of us wouldn't on a day-to-day basis. What they effectively are, are are a way of investing in a bank without actually buying the shares. What you're doing is you're betting on the performance of the share price. Now, the reason that people would invest in contracts for difference is because they can be very, very lucrative if the share price goes up, but they can be disastrous when the share price goes down. And that is what happened at Anglo. And Quinn's exposure was absolutely huge. And Anglo's exposure, likewise, was absolutely huge to these losses being absorbed by one man and one business. And Anglo, and the way executives at Anglo dealt with the fallout from that, saw a number of them facing criminal proceedings. So it, it we can categorically say right at the outset that uh, people in Anglo, senior management in Anglo, face criminal proceedings for how they dealt with the fallout uh, uh, to this. Uh, how Sean Quinn dealt with the fallout uh, to it all uh, meant he spent time uh, in prison, uh, albeit a very, very short amount of time. He was found guilty of contempt uh, at one stage because of the actions he took to interfere with the business and to shift assets away uh, from his business after Anglo had taken control in breach of specific court injunctions. Uh, we're going to get into some of that with Sean Quinn in a moment. It's quite detailed and uh, quite complex what happened between the business and Anglo, but it's it's worth bearing in mind all of those facts uh, and and the intertwined nature of their relationship as the bank collapsed and how that impacted on Sean Quinn and his business. It ultimately saw him lose control of the business. And then there was this power struggle up the road in Derry Lynn and Ballyconnell, and that got quite toxic. People will remember stories of severed pigs' heads being left at the front doors of the new management team, of bullets being sent in the post, of burning trucks being driven uh, into the car parks of some of the factories. And ultimately, it culminated in Kevin Lunny, who actually is the man who had the severed pig's head left at his front door, at his family front door where his kids could find it. Kevin Lunny was abducted and tortured. A number of men were found guilty for that. But there was always an insinuation and it was talked about in court that there was somebody behind it all. There was a paymaster. 
And I asked Sean Quinn, I asked him in our interview, was he that paymaster? So we're going to hear his answer uh, to that question in just a few minutes time. But I started by asking him why he decided to write his book. Well, I wrote this book here just to uh, straighten out exactly what happened over the last 10, 15 years, that people were under a sort of a misapprehension about what went on and people, there was a narrative being told that probably wasn't a true narrative. And uh, I'm trying to, I tried in the book just to straighten that out. What were the untruths that people were, were, well, were operating under? Well, I suppose the untruth, the, the first untruth was that what happened to the company was that Anglo uh, supported their own share price, which was, in my view, illegal, and that was supported by the Irish government. They put £2.34 billion into, in, into uh, their own share, which was against the regulations in every country in Europe, as I understand it. So that was the first thing was illegal. I suppose, I suppose then after that, um, the ODCE would have uh, interviewed all my family, including myself and all my kids, just to see what part we had in that. And uh, we met them maybe a dozen or more times over a number of months uh, between in writing and in person. And uh, they found that we were innocent and we had no hand, act or part in the whole illegality of being involved in the share support scheme. That, that was done through our head office in Derry Lynn, through Anglo, with the support of the Irish government. And the ODCE uh, felt so strongly about it, or so ad- or so, so convinced about we, there was no wrongdoing on our side, they brought us twice. They brought us in as, um, uh, as witnesses for the prosecution against Anglo and against Quinn executives. So I suppose it was it couldn't be much clearer than that, and now the position is that the people that found were guilty are now actually running the Quinn Group and have sold have sold it off. So it seemed very strange the whole thing, and that never seemed to come to a head, or that never seemed to be talked about in the media. And this is not Sean Quinn's story. This is a true fact. The share support scheme was done. The share support scheme was illegal. It was agreed by the Irish government. The ODCE, the Garda on behalf of the OCD, ODCE went through this in micro detail and found that we had no responsibility whatsoever. And as I said, brought us in as witnesses for the state. Now, it, it, it was even worse than that because during a year earlier, 2009, 2010, the Fry's solicitors asked the family to sign letters stating that they were involved in this illegal share support scheme. Now, thankfully, the, the family didn't sign those letters, didn't agree because they knew they weren't involved, so they couldn't possibly sign them. And of course, if they had signed those letters, they would have been they would have been signing letters saying that they were involved in a scheme which they weren't, and which the ODCE found out that, found that they weren't. So I suppose. It, it, it went on from there, different things, different things happening then. We were blamed for stealing assets, we were blamed for this, that and the other. But if you think about it, that's where the whole thing started, this illegal mm. share support scheme. Agreed by the, by the central bank, 
the regulator of the central bank and the Department of Finance. And who then is chiefly responsible in your mind for the fact that so many people out there uh, have have heard and and swallowed the false narrative? Well, I suppose the media were the main ones, and then I suppose uh, Anglo had um, Anglo and the Irish government had a very powerful PR team in place, which was able to convince the people for some strange reason. But I mean, it's it, yes, it's hard to believe if that's what you're saying. But to repeat, this is not Sean Quinn. This is the facts. This is this is uh, stated in law that it was them and that the ODC brought us in. Didn't blame us for anything. We weren't involved in anything. So whatever way, at the end of the day, if you have the courts and you have the former Attorney General um, fighting the case and blaming us, well, they seem to, they seem to get away with it and, and, and done it. And as I said, then it finishes up that the people that were responsible mm. are now running the remains of the Quinn Group after selling most of it off. Because, you know, there'll be people listening, Sean, and they'll think, you know, it's a long list of people who... who you seem to have had it in for you, you know, kind of Anglo and financial regulators and the government and the state and elements of the Gardaí, the media as well, some of your former colleagues, some of your closest colleagues for when you were operating the business, kind of all conspiring against you. I mean, it's a, it's a long, long list of people. Why, why, why do you think all those people had it in for you? I don't think that... I don't think this started off with people having it in for me. I think that I was popular enough, and I think that most people accepted that we go, run a good operation. It was only when people were heads were on the block and they were going to lose their jobs, and people in the Department of Finance and the regulator's office uh, decided that we we are not going to take the blame for this. We are going to sidestep this. And I suppose various judges referred to this. I mean. Peter Charlton, for example, he gave an early judgment stating that if it was true that these loans were illegal, and he didn't say that it was, by the way, but if it was true that those loans were illegal, then it was compa- taken over the Quinn Group, was compounding the illegality. But it just seemed to go on and on. I mean, they could do with the legs. I'll give you an example of, what the, of, of the position, which you're probably aware of anyway. Between between Paul Gallagher and Judge Kelly, they didn't allow me to give evidence in the court. So in other words, there was an Irish citizen who had created 8,000 jobs, and now he wasn't allowed to give evidence in the court, to which I believe that every citizen in the state is entitled to defend their own, uh, their own name. But I wasn't allowed to do it. So there were, there were, we were up against very, very powerful people, and I suppose enough people wanted rid of the Quinn Group. So I think you'd have to ask other people why it was done, but I mean, that's, that's the way it was. The, the book details, you know, a lot of this, and, and there's a big focus, obviously, on the last 15 years. Um, but, you know, it, it tells the story as well of the, 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 the growth of the business. And anyway, and listen, I was up around that part of the country several times for News Talk um, over the last few years, and and... You know that there's no doubting the impact that that you know Quinn Group had on the local economy and the local landscape and everything. Do, do you feel then? I mean, is that what you're most aggrieved by? Is that that story, that success story, has kind of been lost to to this, no, as you <clears> describe <throat> it, the false narrative? In your words, no, I'm not. I'm not aggrieved by that. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm 77 years of age. 
the business that I created uh, got thousands of people to help me to create. So I'm not saying that I created them, but I was the captain of the team that created them. So they're still there. They're still very powerful businesses. Most of them are well run and they're going to be there after my time. So we're proud of what we have created and we know that the media would have given me credit for that. But the problem was when this illegal share support scheme was put in place, where Anglo loaned $2.34 billion into support uh, Quinn shares, by, not by loaning it to the Quinn children, by loaning it to the group, Quinn group, uh, which was trying to disguise it further. So they loaned it in the Quinn group, who in turn put it in the, in the family's names. And uh, it was totally... So, so then... I suppose they weren't. They weren't going to. Mm. It, it appears that they weren't going to accept responsibility. They weren't going to, so the best thing to do is look at the way we will work. This is we'll get rid of the quins. We'll take the businesses off them, even the ones that bought and paid for with their own money. We'll take them off them. We'll we'll not give them a penny of redundancy. We'll give them nothing, and they'll have no money to sue us. And we put in new boards in place, which they did. We put in a new board in the Quinn Group on the condition that they sign a letter that we can never sue Anglo-Irish Bank, which I think would be totally um, totally contrary to justice to go and, and tell any group that you cannot sue. So uh, mm. will you point you, but you cannot sue Anglo. And at the same time, telling Sean Quinn, the man that started off, we can't, we're not going to allow you to give evidence in the, in the Irish yeah. courts. You, you, you referenced Justice Charlton. Can, can I quote, Justice Kelly, um, he described a, a scheme you authorised as one of mesmeric complexity that reeked of dishonesty and sharp practice. That's right, that's right. So, so what, what he was so so what he was saying was that our reaction, mm. to, he was talking about our reaction to a fraud. So that's that's exactly what he said. And and Judge Dunn said something similar. She said that what we had done was outrageous, and that, that I forget the wording, but. But she she was very very dismissive of what we had done, and was was considering it totally illegal what we had done. But none of them n- none of them ever said. Neither Judge Kelly nor Judge Dunn said who owned these assets. And I suppose you know as well as I know, and anybody mm-hmm. knows, you cannot take in any court in, the, in in Europe, you cannot take security against an illegal loan. So how could they own the assets? Yeah. If, but you, but if the lo- if your the scheme, though, as well, Sean, included like falsifying documents to make it look like um, this is in in um, in regards to taking control of a Moscow office block that was worth about 180 million euro uh, and transferring it to an offshore company in Belize. The accusation that you falsify documents. Yes. Did you do that? Well, of course, of course. What I'm saying is that our reaction to the fraud was seen as being the problem. There's, nobody ever said the fraud didn't take place and nobody ever said that they owned these assets. But yes, they did turn it around in such a way that we, that we were the villains. So in other words, the same as a football match. If somebody hits somebody a box and they react, uh, the, the victim is all, could be found guilty rather, yeah. than the, rather than the aggressor. But do you accept any wrongdoing, though, for, for falsifying documents, for example? No, I don't find any wrongdoing in that. If somebody is taking the last, as I said in the book, if somebody is taking the last cow of your buyer illegally, you will try to do everything in your power to avoid that. 
any of the assets, <clears throat> any of the assets in the Quinn Group, like uh, the hotels or pubs or glass factories or cement factories, we never tried to touch any of those assets. We only touched assets which were taken from us illegally. Mm. The do do you accept then your responsibility in terms of the contracts for difference, the the, the betting on Anglo shares? That, that, oh, that I was accept a... that I was totally responsible for that. I, yeah. I accept. I, I accept it was me and me alone. Well, not alone, but it was. I was a main culprit as regards buying Anglo shares. I didn't know anything about CFDs, as I said in the box, but uh, in the in the in the book. Mm. But I, I, it was me was the main supporter of Anglo. I thought Anglo was the bee's knees, and I thought we were going to continue to be successful. Yeah. So I was the strongest advocate for buying Anglo shares. Because, you know, and there'll be lots of people listening. It, it reminds me of the old, um, I don't know what a tracker mortgage is. Uh, mo- most people, and I wouldn't have known unless I went and actually did a bit of work, what contracts for difference are. But it's, it's not actually buying shares. It's Effectively, it's betting on shares, isn't That's it? That's right. So, um, I mean, I'm just conscious that, like, you, you, you're this remarkably successful business person. And I'm just not sure how plausible it is that you don't really know what contracts for difference were. They, it was kind of simply, oh, look, Anglo's a good bet. I'll put my money there. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm more than happy to admit that I was wrong on that. I, I, have, no, I have never denied that, Kieran. Mm. I have never denied that I was a strong advocate for buying shares. Now, any shares I had bought up until that, for the previous 20 years, we bought them and paid full cash for them. But uh, the, our legal guys, or not our legal guys, our financial guys, came up with this idea that CFDs was a better idea. And I mean, it wasn't my ideas. I didn't even know what a CFD was. But when it was explained to me, I, had, I, I was all in favour of it. So I'm, not, I'm mm. not trying to reverse out of any of that. But what you, must remember, what, what you must remember is, buying CFDs is very common and it's fully compliant. So there's no illegality in buying shares through CFDs. There is illegality in the Irish government supporting Anglo-Irish Bank in supporting their own share price, which, as I said, is illegal in every country in the world. Buying CFDs is totally legitimate, and it's as common today, more common today, than it was when I'd done it 15, 16 years ago. But you, you didn't know what they were 15 or 16 no, years ago? No, I didn't know at the beginning, but I soon found out. And I mean, I'm not using that as an excuse that I didn't know, because before they were bought, I was told what it was, so I'm not... I'm not using the excuse mm. that I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what was being done. I was told what was being done, that we were paying a 20% deposit on the share. So I was fully aware of that. And we could afford the 20% share. So we'd have put about 600, 630 million or whatever it was mm. into the shares over a two-year period. And we'd have, it, it had been a huge loss and a huge embarrassment to us. But at the same time, for a company that was making half a billion a year of profit, it was only over a little, little over a year's profit, so it wasn't going to be have any long-term consequences for the Quinn Group. But when Anglo stuck in another two point three four billion, on top of that, and in the in the Quinn children's name, well, not in the it's the Quinn Group. I mean, they tried to hide it to such an extent to put it down as working capital, which where everybody knows that we never had a working capital facility in our lives. So putting two point three four billion down as working capital mm. made no sense. So that's what they were trying to do to hide it, to pretend that it, they weren't financing the CFDs. But of course they were. So as I said, that was sent down into the Quinn Group, and then the Quinn Group uh, supported the shares. 
there, there isn't there isn't any doubt about what happened. Mm. The, 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 doubt, the doubt is why, where did it come along that we were involved in illegality and that they had the right to take our business. And my view is that Anglo had a major problem with this. The Irish government had a major problem with this, and the people in the Quinn Group. So they had to come together. And of course, now to repeat, the people that were responsible for it in the Quinn Group, the Anglo, the Irish government are now backing them up to the hill knowing that it was them caused the downfall yeah. of the group. I, I, I kind of, at this point, I need to uh, emphasise that uh, it's not news talk or the heart shoulders position that anybody running the Quinn Group is guilty of fraud, but nobody's investigating it. Uh, there's, um, I just need to kind of make that point. Um, but, but, I, but I'm stating very clearly that they were involved in fraud. No, I know. I, I know you, that's very much your position. But I mean, um, the, the, the people running Quinn Group have not been found guilty of fraud. Well, 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 are you sure about that? Well, you you cite me the court case where they've been found guilty of of of, of fraud and what their criminal sanction was. Well, did they not sign documentation for uh, given for the share play, for the guarantees for the Irish for the foreign banks? No, listen, I, I'm, 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 listen, I'm, I don't want to kind of relitigate the fact. My point is that it is a statement of fact that they have never been found guilty of fraud in a criminal court in Ireland. Well, they were found guilty of misrepresentation. They were found guilty of saying that I was involved in meetings giving away the, the guarantees to the American banks. And the central bank found that, no, that I wasn't. And the, at the central bank hearing, they got the opportunity to cross-examine me, but they, they failed, they didn't cross-examine me because they knew I was telling the truth. Yeah, I know, but the, we're not talking about kind of uh, uh, criminal convictions here. You know, when right, you say okay. they were found guilty of misrepresenting me, I mean, well, w- found guilty, a judge didn't determine them guilty no. and kind of set well, them down. Well, what I'm saying, what I'm saying here, and I'm saying it very, very clearly, yeah. that we have, there'll be about 12, 14 very strong witnesses are fully aware of the fraud that was committed in Derry Lynn since 2014, and the Garda have refused to investigate them. Why do you think the guards are refusing to investigate it? Because it opens up the whole scene again. It just, yeah. it just opens up the conspiracy that was there. And all of a sudden, it turns out... Do you think the guards not just suspect that you're the conspirator? That, that these people what, are not what, guilty what, of fraud what I'm, at all? What, what, that you just imagine what, they are? What, what I'm saying is the Irish government are involved in this. And the Irish government... Look at... You have to go back to the beginning. You have to go back to what I said first. Why would an Irish citizen not be involved, not have a right to give evidence in an Irish court? Well, if you take that one, then why would the same government not influence the Garda commissioner that this, these people should not be investigated? You, you actually think that that government ministers, cabinet ministers, lobbied the Garda commissioner? Not to investigate. I couldn't. Ha- I couldn't tell you the detail of what was done, but should I do know that Leo Varadkar slept in, in uh, John McCartan's house and attended meetings in Quinn Group? So we know the relationship. Yeah, and we we, we know the relationship still. Stands. Well, just just for people who don't know who we're talking about, John McCartan uh, was kind of involved in the new management and the takeover and all that. But John McCartan's a Fine Gael councillor. Yeah, and, and he he would be pals with Leo Varadkar. Both yes. Finnegan members. Yeah, I know, but just the implication that there's kind of a cartel there, kind of not investigating. The the alternative explanation is that they're just friends. No, that's fine. That's fine. I can understand. I, I can understand that, and I can understand that I have no compelling evidence to say that he's involved. 
Yeah, that was uh, Sean Quinn speaking to me a little bit earlier today. That's the first part of our conversation. Uh, we're going to play the rest of it uh, in just a, a few more minutes uh, here in the Hard Shoulder shortly after five o'clock. Uh, in the second part, we get into the detail of what has been happening up in so-called Quinn country. We're going to talk about pigs' heads, severed pigs' heads being left on the doorstep of executives, about bullets being sent in the post, about the abduction and torture of Kevin Lunny. That is all still to come. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk. The big story today is Sean Quinn, the businessman from the uh, border counties uh, from Derry Lynn, Ballyconnell, that part of the world, so called Quinn country. Uh, uh, such a powerful figure up there uh, that. The entire region seems to be named after him or certainly was uh, for a time. And there is no doubt that he had a huge impact uh, on that part of the world and for an awful long time, a hugely positive uh, impact on that part of the world. He has a new book coming out this Thursday in his own words. And I sat down with John a little bit earlier uh, today. The first part of the interview we've already had, it focused very much on the collapse of the business, of his uh, Quinn empire, of his control of that business and how that was all interlinked with the collapse of Anglo-Irish Bank. Sean had bet big on Anglo-Irish Bank. He had bought what were called contracts for difference. They're effectively like buying shares, but instead of actually buying a share, you're betting on the performance of a share. So when Anglo's shares tanked, his investment tanked and he lost Big. So we talked a lot about that. You can listen back to what he had to say. He does acknowledge, he did acknowledge uh, in our conversation uh, that he was guilty of uh, wrongdoing uh, in that fallout. Uh, wrongdoing that was described uh, by Justice Kelly as one of meg's mesmeric complexity that reeked of dishonesty and sharp practice. Sean Quinn ended up in Mount Joy for a number of weeks. People remember, was it 2012 into 2013? Uh, for his attempt to interfere with the business uh, and shift assets. Uh, this is after Anglo had taken control. It was all related to uh, control of an office block uh, in Moscow worth about 180 million quid. Uh, Sean Quinn falsified documents. He absolutely accepts he falsified documents. But as he said to me, he was justified in doing it. If somebody comes to take the last cow in your briar, you do what you need to do to hang on to it. So that is Sean Quinn's version uh, of events. What all that was playing out in... The judicial system and the corridors of power uh, around Dublin, in Ballyconnell and Derry Lane and in that part of the world, another struggle was taking place. A struggle for control of the company and a struggle for the hearts and minds of the local people because people up there were very, very much divided. And that division got fiery. It culminated ultimately with the abduction and torture of Kevin Lunny, a former colleague of Sean Quinn, one who went on to be part of the executive management team that took over the business uh, uh, down the line. Someone who Sean fell out spectacularly with. Take a listen to how we got on. Can I ask then, Sean, about, um, you know, when 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 things were at the most febrile kind of up in, um, I was going to say Quinn country, up in your part of the world, um, um, and, you know, we had a pig's head left at Kevin Lunny's door and you referenced that in the book as well and, um, there was acts of vandalism being carried out. And when I was up there, I talked talking to loads of people up and down uh, uh, between Derry Lynn and Ballyconnell and everywhere else. And, and there was no serious allegations ever made that you had anything to do with it. But what people would sometimes suggest is that the people who were carrying out these acts w- were doing it because they supported you. You know, not, not that you had asked them, but that they were supportive of you. So they were trying to undermine 
the 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 people who are running the business. Well, I wouldn't argue against that. I wouldn't argue against that, Kieran. I'm not. I, I, I'm not suggesting that is not the case. That mm. the people would feel very angry that these guys give away the business. So, uh, and they feel very angry because these guys allowed allowed foreign countries with the, foreign companies with the with the wind farm and that to trespass over the land. So there was a lot of anger, and there was I think it was eight people sued by Manock, Quinn Stoke Manock by these guys. So, mm. of course, there was anger. And, of course, that anger is still there today. But, I mean, it still doesn't mean that it shouldn't be investigated. Because at the end of the day, if you have trouble, and I, I was on the border for all, all of the troubles from 19, 1969 and back up until 2000. And I know all of the trouble was there. And at the end of the day, until justice is served, and that those who are found guilty of any offences yeah. that is talked about, it's very hard to bring peace to an area if justice has only been served for one section of the community mm. and injustice be served for the other section. Could you have stopped them? That That's what some people suggested. They said, ah, Sean mightn't be behind this, but these people support him. And if, if Sean takes a much more public line, calling people not I, I, not to do this type of thing. Stop sending pigs' heads to Kevin Lowry's well, house. Well, I, I think, for example, if Sean had to say in 2014, 15, or right through, to, uh, uh, even up until then, if Sean had to say at all times, namely me, if I had to say that uh, what these guys were doing, that there was no illegality, that they weren't betraying the community, that I had agreed for the, la- for the last factory to be sold and the wind farms to be sold, and all of that, if I had to say, oh, no, this is right, if I had to agree to that, well, then, of course, and that these were great fellows and they were doing a fantastic job and they were making money. And well, you didn't need to do that. You could have just said, I, I am totally opposed to how I've been treated, but, you know, I, I'm calling on all of my supporters to quit this type of carry-on. And, you know, it's a small community. Everyone knows everyone. I mean, you could have got and, the message and, out. And, to, and, and, and I've done that on a number of occasions. Okay. I, do, I, I advise people that there should be no, there should be no violence. And I'm on record. I'm, I'm on record as doing that. But surely you're not saying to me that I, that I should go along and say that these people betrayed me, give away the company. And surely you're not saying to me that I should accept that as being the right thing to do. Isn't there an obligation on every citizen to make sure that? Justice is done, mm. and particularly if it's involved in the company that you founded and had worked hard for 35 years to, to building up, and then all of a sudden by takes it off you, surely there'd be an obligation on me to, to, to name it. You know, uh, listen, and if that's your view, I'm, you're, you're perfectly entitled to, to, to make the complaint. I wasn't suggesting otherwise. I was merely putting it to you that, you know, some there suggested maybe you could have called a halt to this type of thing. I know, listen, it, it all obviously built up and, and everyone is aware of what happened to Kevin Lunny and you were very, very clear that, you know, it was barbaric and you've used that word quite a few times to describe it. Um, there's always the insinuation, though, that this paymaster that gets referred to, um, that, that, well, that you're the paymaster. That's right. Are you? Paymaster, <laughs> me damn. I haven't the price of biggest buds. Uh, how, how would I be the paymaster? Kevin Lunny here knows as well as you know. Well, you don't know, but Kieran, Kevin Lunny knows well that I had no hand act or part in Kevin Lunny's abduction. But the simple facts of it are that they all know that they were very, very unpopular. That in fairness to Kevin, I was a good friend of Kevin's. I had a good time for Kevin. 
And the Kevin got a lot of the dirty work as regards suing neighbours and involved in allowing trespassing on farmers' land. So Kevin was given the dirty work by others who were standing back and making the balls and Kevin was throwing them. So he was very, very unpopular because he was he was the servant to buyers to to two other guys, McCartan and McCaffrey. He was the servant to them and he got the blame for a lot of it. And I don't think I don't think he was to blame. But mm-hmm. he got to, he got to blame for a lot of it. And look at what happened happened and it was disgraceful what happened. And I've said that a number of times. Yeah. Certainly certainly if 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 uh, if Sean Quinn wanted somebody to be kidnapped in Derry Lynn and if something would never, ever, ever cross my mind or anybody belong to me, the Quinns are not that type of people. But if we did feel that something should be somebody should be beaten up or whatever it might be, it certainly wouldn't be Kevin Lunny. Who would it be? Well, it'd be people at a higher level than Kevin Lunny. Like if you were asking me, would I would I rather see would I rather see John McCartan or Liam McCaffrey beaten up than Kevin Lunny? The answer is yes. Sean, that's a pretty incendiary thing to say, isn't it? Well, I wouldn't be in favour of anybody beaten up. As I told you already, it was a barbaric act. So I told you all of that. So that's that's on the record. What I'm saying is that Kevin Lunny and I were quite good friends. Kevin Lunny, I think, was made the scapegoat, and he was Kevin Lunny. Be, wouldn't be the man that I would feel mm. that was. It wasn't his idea to take over the Quinn Group and throw me out. So, if you were asking me, would Kevin Lunny be the first man that I would feel angry with? No, he is not. Did you know the men who were found guilty of this act? Never seen them in my life, or never was talking to my life. No, absolutely know nothing about it. What I do know is, what I do know is that you judges, knew Dublin Jimmy, didn't you, Cyril McGuinness? Oh, I knew Dublin Jimmy. I did, yeah, I, I yeah. did, yeah. How well would you've known him? I wouldn't have known him well at all. I was never talking. Well, let's go this way. I was never talking to Dublin Jimmy for ten percent of the time. I'm talking to you. It'd be hello, how are mm-hmm. you, Jimmy, and hello, how are you, Sean, and that's as far as that ever went. Would it? So, people who don't know, this is a, a Dublin Jimmy. Cyril McGuinness was his name. He he dropped out of a heart attack. The the story now will kind of ring a bell in people's minds when uh, police uh, raided his home uh, and he was alleged to have been part of all of this as well. Um, would it surprise you to learn once when I was up there? Um, you know, people were explaining I'd never heard of this fellow in my life, but I was told that you were out socialising with him. And what what someone said to me was. Um, we're all right. We're all safe when Sean has gone out of his way to be seen with Cyril McGuinness, with Dublin Jimmy. It's when he's, right, it's when he's right. gone out of his way not to be seen with him that we think we're in trouble. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure, Kieran. if you have read the book, you will feel that there's much bigger lies being told than that. That is an absolute total lie. But I'm sure I've identified maybe 40 or 50 areas where there was even greater lies than that told. And believed. I mean, you take one of the top judges in the country. Top judge in the country would have said, that he was, he was leaving the maximum sentence as regards Kevin Lunny's abduction. He was leaving that for the paymaster. And that was two, three years after the abduction. Mm. So if a judge in Dublin is saying that, well then, wh- wh- where do we go from there? Because again, and we're back to, I suppose, to a point we've brought up already, which is the long list of people, judges now as well. And, and that's the, the impression maybe from the interview and from the book that people will get 
Sean, is that, you know, the banks, financial regulators, the government, the state, the Gardaí, the media, your former colleagues and members of the judiciary as well, you know, all conspired against you. And the alternative suggestion is that you just made horrible business decisions and have spent 15 years refusing to accept that. Well, tell me what the business decision here I made that caused the problem. Well, I would say investing in the contracts for difference. Oh, that was a bad decision. It was an absolutely that, awful decision. I would, well, well, I would say that, some of the decisions you made at Quinn Insurance as well, that every man, woman and child is paying for through their insurance premiums with a levy as well. I'd say that was a pretty bad decision. Well, I'd say I would say in reaction to what happened at Anglo, deciding to falsify documents and move assets around... In, 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 in a scheme that was described in the manner I, I, I've already read out from Judge Kelly as reeking of dishonesty and sharp practice, I'd say that was a bad decision. Sure, look at Look at She have read in the book. You have read in the book if you have read the book. She have read in the book. The, and, and there's nobody arguing. Nobody has argued these points. She has seen the reserve that Quinn Direct had compared with any of her competitors in Ireland. We had the highest reserve of any, of any insurance company in Ireland. So as regards... As regards the insurance company needing money, the insurance company had more money than any. It had £1.54 billion. So I don't know where anybody came from this. This was all, this narrative was created. This narrative had no support, had no backing at all. But you were using those reserves, you were using those funds from the insurance company to prop up other parts of the group. Wasn't that the, that was the allegation. Sorry? That you were using funds from the insurance business to prop up other parts of the group. Like what part are on there? Well, that, like, that, but that that is that was ultimately the decision of the regulator of the regulator to place the company into administration because of that. No, 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 no. It was not the the the, the reason the regulator put in a receiver and a judge Kelly agreed to it or uh, an administrator was because there was guarantees given, but it was only an excuse. There was guarantees given on the regulated entity. Which left a black hole of six hundred million. That's what, that, that's the basis that went to court. Not that the money was no 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 other reason. There was no there was no black hole. It, there was guarantees there for five years, and all of a sudden they came along with this idea that these guarantees were having an effect on the solvency of the company. PwC and Moore Stevens denied that completely, and their full articles are in the in the book. They, they, they see that that made no sense, that that uh, the guarantees were given had no effect on the solvency of Quinn Insurance. So that mm-hmm. was that was wrong from day one. Well, listen, I, I kind of get the sense that the longer we talk, the longer the list of kind of conspirators against you <laughs> it seems to become. Um, but you're right, it's, it's all detailed uh, in the book. Uh, Sean Quinn, uh, in my own words, it's been launched on Thursday in the Steve Russell uh, Hotel. Sean, thanks a million for speaking to us. Good bank here. Okay. Thanks. 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 Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that was Sean Quinn speaking to me a little bit uh, earlier today. A lot of people getting in touch. Sean Quinn was greedy. He was a billionaire, but he wanted more. He gambled and lost. I have no sympathy. Somebody asked, could Quinn explain why motorists are still paying for the Quinn insurance fiasco? They shouldn't have to. That was Sean Quinn's explanation. The company was absolutely fine. Of course, the regulators, the administrators and the judiciary uh, uh, would disagree with that. But as you heard from that interview and you get a sense in the book as well, all of those people are set against Sean Quinn for some reason. And Mr Quinn sounds very plausible and the government have never explained what really happened and they never will. Somebody else, Quinn is 100% correct. Heads need to roll in government, central bank, department of finance. This was a stitch up by the state against Sean. 087 
1400106. For what it's worth, uh, John McCartan, who got, did get mentioned in the first part of the interview that we played out a little bit uh, uh, earlier, um, uh, Sean Quinn used the word uh, fraud a number of times. Now, I put it to him that nobody he was uh, using that word um, in relation to has ever been found guilty uh, of fraud in a, a court case here. He also talked about a conspiracy between the government and the Garda Commissioner. And then when asked about it, he talked about Leo Varadkar uh, uh, having a close personal relationship with John McCartan. I put it to him that they are both members of Fine Gael and they know each other and they are pals. Sean Quinn acknowledged he had no concrete evidence uh, he would accept that. We spoke to John McCartan about those uh, accusations um, a little bit earlier today as well. We gave him the opportunity to come on air. What he told us was he wouldn't know where to start and to respond would be folly. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.